my friends. Welcome once again to another Bible study midweek service here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. I am so excited that you decided to join me today. We're going to have another great time in the Lord. Tonight, we want to speak from the subject of a cry for help. There is somebody that is crying out for Jesus to help them. There is somebody that is making a desperate plea. And we've got to go and see who this is. And I'm excited about it. So tonight, oh, this is a very, very riveting story. This is a very a riveting account of, of demonic possessions. There are demons in this story of bravery. And then there are also some examples of uh, timidity, cowardness, and fear. There is horror. Oh! So we're going to have a great time. And I'm thankful that you were here. So this all takes place here in the book of Luke, the eighth chapter. Now, the last time we were together, we were in Mark, the fourth chapter, I believe, as we spoke from the subject of uh, overcoming the storms. That's right, overcoming the storm. So if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go back and watch it. I know it's going to bless you because there in Mark, the fourth chapter, we find that Jesus and the disciples were in the ship. And they, they left from one side of the lake going over to the other side. But in the middle, there was a very violent storm, uh, a storm or a, a storm of agitation. Remember that? And they were being agitated and the disciples were fearful. And they woke Jesus up and said, Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Well, Jesus gets up. Our hero, he gets up, right? And he rebukes the wind and he says, peace be still uh, to the storm, rather to the, uh, to, the, to the water. And all was well and the disciples were just marveled. They were amazed. And they said, what manner of man is this? that even the wind and the waves, the water, it obeys him. Oh, that's our Jesus. So they're in that trouble, and, and I believe that they were in trouble because the enemy wanted to stop them from going to the other side, from going to the country of the Gadareans. So that takes place there in Mark, the fifth chapter. Now, Mark's account of the Gadareans is a great account, but the book of Luke, the eighth chapter, Luke eight, I believe gets us a gives us a uh, a more rich uh, account of it. More, it's 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 more full. It has more body, has more flavor. So we're going to go with that. But we will sprinkle in a bit of Mark. Yes, sprinkle in a bit of Mark, and we will also sprinkle in a bit of Matthew, Matthew the eighth chapter. Uh, because Matthew gives us a few details, too, that Mark and Luke do not give. Now, sorry, those of you who are lovers of the book of John, as I am uh, in the Gospel of John, John's account is not here. John does not account, uh, or he does not mention this in his Gospel. So we're going to be uh, just in Luke, uh, Luke the 8th chapter, Mark the 5th chapter, and I think, I think also... Uh, Matthew, the eighth chapter. So we're going to sprinkle them in to get a great round picture. So before we can get started, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings tonight that you would feed us your word, uh, that you would just lead us through your spirit and just teach us. You are the great teacher. So Holy Spirit, teach us and lead us into all truth. Show us things to come. We love you so much tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, 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 awesome. 
I like that movie. Everybody's awesome. You know, anyway. All right. So, no, I think it's everything is awesome. Uh, but whatever. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the message, A Cry for Help. All right. Uh, Luke, the eighth chapter. Now, I'm just going to read a few verses here because actually it's in verses 26 through 39. Not going to read it all tonight. Going to read just a little bit, of uh, just a small section and then we'll go ahead and go on uh, as we as we go on. So we're probably going to be finishing up uh, finishing this up next week. But let's see how far we can get tonight. So let's go ahead and read here, um, Luke the eighth chapter, verse twenty six. Let's go to verse twenty nine, and we'll start there. All right. It says, "And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes." Now, how many of you remember? Let me finish reading the verse first. Uh, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes which is over against Galilee. So on the other side of Galilee. Do you remember, pop quiz, do you remember what the word Gadarean means? We talked about that last week. Some of you know what that word Gadareans mean, right? It means uh, the place of reward, right? Or rewards at the end. Yeah, rewards at the end. So give yourself five stars on that. Give yourself a high five. Boom, good job, good job. All right, let's go on. It says, and they arrived at the country of the Gadareans, which is over against Galilee. And verse 27 says, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Stop, hold the presses. Jesus gets out of the ship. Now you'll notice too, as we go on, there is no mention of the disciples getting out of the ship, although I'm sure that did happen. They had to see it to write it. But there's no mention of their words of them saying anything. Uh, there's no mention of you know, them interacting in any way. It's only Jesus dealing with this demon-possessed man. Now, as we go into this, you'll find out, and I'm sure that this man was very popular because he had been trafficking in and out of this area for a while. As a matter of fact, the book of uh, Matthew, I, I think, let's go, let's, let's see if we can find the book of Matthew. Let's find that account there. Uh, I believe Matthew tells us what he was doing, what he was doing. So before Jesus gets out of the boat, he is confronted or rather, as Jesus gets out of the boat, he is confronted by this demon-possessed man. Now, what was this man doing here? Well, uh, let's see. Let's go to Matthew 28, and let's go ahead and, and get some knowledge from Matthew. Matthew 28, and let's read two verses, uh, 28 and 29. I'm sorry, Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verse 28 and 29. Let's get some wisdom. It says, When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadareans, same account, but listen, it says two men were two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one uh, that no one could go through that area. Now, listen to that. Matthew says that there are two men. Now, are the are the gospels contradicting one another? Because we see here in Luke says one man, and we also see in Mark, it says one man. It talks about one man. But Matthew says that there are two men. Are there contradictions? Are these two contradicting each other? No, not at all. Now, let me, let me give you an example of that. If I told you that uh, I had 
two, if there were two cell phones, or let's do it this way. There are two devices on this table right here, right? There is my tablet, and here is my, and here is my, cell, my cell phone. Tablet and cell phone. But if I said there is only one device on the table, then that's a contradiction. Again, the first statement was, well, there are two, there are two uh, electronic devices on the table, cell phone and tablet. So that's the original statement. There are two devices. But if I say there is one device on this table or there is uh, a device on the table, that does not contradict. But if I said, once again, uh, there is only one device on the table, then that is a contradiction. So what we find here is that Matthew is bringing to us a bit more information, a bit more insight, that there are now two uh, demon-possessed men that are confronting Jesus and the disciples as they, as they are getting out of the boat. Now, I believe that uh, Luke and Mark zero in on this one, this one particular man because he's going to be the spokesman or these demons will be the spokesman uh, for the two. All right. So he's zooming in on one. So let's go ahead and stay with one. And I believe the fate of one is also the fate of the other or the destiny of one is also is going to happen with the other as well. So I believe we're still still very good. All right. So it says the two men that were possessed by the demons met him. Now it says they came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. Now that's big. So very possible, catch the scene. They are on a hill and they are running in and out of the caves. The Bible says that they're living in the caves. They're in and out of the caves of the tombs. That is, of course, um, the tombs were the caves where they put the dead people there, uh, much like we do graves today, but uh, they were caves and the people lay in, lay in the caves, all right? Uh, the dead bodies. And so this demon-possessed man was in and out of these caves. That's where he had his dwelling. And the Bible also says that he was naked. Now, we'll see that in other cases as well. Uh, so this man is naked, or these men we hear in the book of Matthew uh, were naked, and they were homeless, uh, and they were living in the caves, or living among the tombs, living among the dead. All right? Naked and living among the dead. So when Jesus finally gets there with the disciples to Gennesaret, these men come out and confront him. Now, that's the same thing that happened also um, possibly the night before as they were on the boat or uh, maybe even a, a few minutes before uh, when they were on the boat. Uh, they were confronted with the storm and now they're being confronted again. So the enemy is not letting up. He does not want the gospel. He does not want them in that coast. All right. So these men had been, had been there before and I'm sure been very successful at keeping people away. Uh, not just Jesus and the disciples, but keeping the others away as well, because it said that uh, they came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. So they were known, these men were known for causing trouble, like two big bullies, would not, let, would not let anyone come upon that coast, all right? But as we find out in the case as well, uh, there were herdsmen there feeding pigs. 
And for some reason, it, the Bible does not say that these herdsmen had any problem with these two demon-possessed men. Now, we'll get to that later on, too. But I want to bring up that information uh, for you there uh, from the book of Matthew, the eighth chapter, that uh, Matthew says that there were two possessed men. And, um, and we know also from Luke, they've been possessed for quite some time. And these were very violent men, and they didn't want people uh, to go through that area. They, they came to stop people from going through that area. All right, so now let's go back over now uh, to the book of Luke, the eighth chapter. And so let's look at verse 27. It says, And when he went forth uh, to land, when he first arrived, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, uh, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. All right, so we got that scenario. Why is he coming down? Why, or why are they coming down to stop anybody from getting in that area? They, they are like the guards, so to speak. Uh, they are the, the, we could say even the, the watchers, there to prevent people from coming in that area. You know, and there are often, we can see this too, principalities and powers in certain areas, demonic, demonic powers that were trying to prevent you from going in and out. Remember, Jesus said that um, he is a good shepherd. Uh, because of him, we'll go in and out and we will find pasture. We'll be able to uh, conduct business. We'll, do, uh, we'll perform our kingdom assignment. But many times while you're doing uh, the assignment or doing the work that Jesus has called you to do, you will encounter resistance. But because you encounter resistance does not mean that you should stop. No, it means that you continue to press through using the authority that God has given unto you. Tonight, we will also see the superior authority that Jesus has. We have already seen it. Uh, as far as him commanding the wind, speaking to the wind, and also speaking to the waves. Uh, and that was, of course, a very, very uh, spiritual conflict. And here's another spiritual conflict that uh, he's involved in now. So let's check this out. So uh, if you are, as we get into this, if you are in a position where you are crying out for the Lord, you, you are encountering conflict, you are encountering uh, barriers as you're trying to go forward, it seems like something is always trying to stop you, then you really need to pay attention to what's happening here in the book of Luke, the eighth chapter. Awesome. All right. So we find again, this man is naked. What a sight. And he's living in the tomb. So I'm, he's not living in a house. So I'm sure he's dirty. And you think maybe his hair is all matted. So just get that picture in your head if you can. But you know, not too much of the picture. <laughs> All right, look at verse 20, verse 28. It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him uh, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. All right, so it seems Right off the bat, he's giving Jesus orders, okay? So these men, I'm sure, look ferocious. I'm sure they're putting on their best show, very violent. 
And now they're talking to Jesus. They're telling him, I beseech you. I, I, I adjure you. They're telling him, don't you torment me. Now, that's big, too. We're going to look at that. That's, re that's very big. They said, I beseech you. I beg you, in, in, in some cases, uh, torment me not. Don't torment me. Now, I want you to find, I want you to see something, because something happens between verse 27 and verse 28. Now, we know that these men are coming uh, to confront Jesus, and as Jesus get out the boat, and something happens here because verse 28 is in response to what Jesus did earlier. It says again, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. Something happened to make this, make this spirit, this, this demon-possessed man, cry out to him saying, don't torment me. Don't torment me. He says, what, I have, what do I have to do with you? Don't torment me. Something happened here. As Jesus stepped out of the boat, something happened. Well, verse 29 gives us a great indication of that. It says, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Uh, you see that? Now, you say, well, if he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, the, the demon to come out of him, well, then who is he talking to? All right, let's look further. It says here, it said, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. And let me tell you, uh, before we get on, who, who was he talking to? Who did he command to get out? The ringleader. Now, we're going to see here that there are thousands. Uh, some, uh, it says that as we go on down, you'll find out that the demon calls himself legion because there are many in him. Now, Talking back in Bible times, as we talked about Roman soldiers in that day, what a legion would be would be somewhere between three and six thousand, three and six thousand soldiers. But here, three and six, between three and six thousand demons were in this man. Now, demons are spirits. Okay. Now, you and I are spiritual beings. We are spirit. We live in a body and we possess a soul. Demons will inhabit spirit. And of course, because of that, it has effects on the body and effects on the soul. So these spirits were living in this man's spirit. Now that also talks about the capacity of a human spirit. Anywhere between three and 6,000, between three and 6,000 spirits were living in this man. All right? Uh, but we were designed to house the Holy Spirit. That should tell you something, too, that the Holy Spirit is, of course, massively larger than uh, three to 6,000 uh, spirits. All right? We were designed to, to, to house the presence of God. So there's a lot of room inside of, inside of us. And so those spirits decided to come on and jump into this man. Now, we don't know why this happened to this man or what brought this on this man or what this man did. Maybe he was in the occult. I don't know what happened. But we do see here that at least the end of it is that now he is out living among the dead and he's threatening people. Or from Matthew, we would say they're threatening people, stopping them from coming in. He is being used. I'll go back to he. Uh, he is being used by the enemy to stop people from entering that coast. All right? 
So Jesus gets there and he immediately confronts the spirit before the spirit comes down before him. Now you'll find out again that I believe that the spirit that he cast out was the ringleader. Although there were three to 6,000 spirits within this man, one of course was leading him. So he dealt with that one first. He dealt with the leader first. And you'll find out the new leader that cropped up is the one that is begging Christ not to torment them. Make sense? All right, let's go on a little bit further. And it says here, uh, verse 28 again, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Uh, Thou son of God most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Why? Why is he saying this? For he had commanded the unclean spirit, the unclean spirit, uh, to come out of the man. Uh, for oftentimes it had caught him. The word caught there is to seize. Oftentimes it seized him. Now, this is one reason I believe the Lord dealt with that spirit, dealt with the ringleader, because that ringleader really tormented this man. So before the, before the flesh of the man could come down and threaten him on the beach, he dealt with that ringleader. And this is what happened with the ringleader here. And this, and this we also see uh, some history of this demon-possessed man. What happened here? All right. So I, I'm so thankful uh, that the Holy Spirit dealt with the writers to give this man some personality for us to, to get some background on him, uh, to see what his life was like before Jesus got there. All right, so let's look on. It says, for oftentimes uh, he had caught him or seized him, and he was kept bound with chains uh, and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devils into the wilderness. Now, let me bring that verse to you a little bit closer to home, uh, and we're going to read that in the... Uh, God's Word translation, the God's Word translation. Listen to how it reads here. It says, Jesus ordered the evil spirit to come out of the man. The evil spirit had controlled the man for a long time. People had kept him under guard. He was chained hand and foot, but he would break the chains. Then the demon would force him to go into the desert. All right. So this is extremely interesting, isn't it? We see how also that the presence of these demons were able to give this man supernatural strength to break chains. And we also see how um, man's best effort here was to restrain him. Now, all right, let's stop. Let's, 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 let's try to get some things together. This is, so, this is so amazing. All right, before we talk about the men, the community, how they dealt with the man, let's talk again about the man. So these demon spirits were able to enter into this man, and they gave him supernatural strength. These spirits gave his physical body strength, and he was so strong that he broke chains. He broke the irons. They couldn't restrain him. And then they made him, uh, or they drove him out 
to be in the desert. He couldn't, or to be among the tombs in the wilderness. He couldn't abide among the people. You say, I hear people say, well, man, wow, isn't that awesome that I can have that kind of strength? Well, let me tell you, there are also examples, several, exa- several examples in the Word of God of, of the Father giving, uh, through, through the Holy Spirit, giving people supernatural strength as well, much greater than this. One case was a man by the name of, I hear you, Samson, right? God gave him supernatural strength. Uh, killed a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass, right? Uh, killed the lion with his bare hands. Uh, he was able to uh, push down the pillars of the temple, pick up the city gates, uh, weighing hundreds and hundreds of pounds, maybe um, tons. I'm not sure how, how much they weigh, but he was able to pick that up and put that down somewhere else. He showed tremendous strength, much greater than was here. There was also a man in the Bible that outran the chariots, outran horses. Who was that man? Right, Elijah. I call him the first flash, right? Uh, When it was time for rain, he told King Ahab, hey, get down quickly because I hear the abundance of of rain, the, the sound of abundance of rain. And the Spirit of God came upon him and he outran the chariots. I mean, those little feet were going, I'm sure, with little legs. So the spirit can give your human body supernatural ability, but make sure it is the right spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. Don't get hoodwinked hoodwinked by some demonic spirit telling you, I can give you great strength, power, and authority. Sure, half of that's true, but what's the other half? You living among the dead, you living among the tombs, And the Bible says, too, that that this man was cutting himself and crying out. This was horrible. This man was in bondage. (coughs) Excuse me. And it says here, look at verse number 29 again. So, again, we're looking at this man. It says, for all times it had caught him. I love the way, let me go back to the uh, God's Word translation. It says, the evil spirit had controlled the man for a long time. Oftentimes, it would seize him. It would catch him. So somehow, the townspeople were able to bind him with chains and put him on a guard under some type of watch. But the spirit would come again upon him, the ringleader, I'm sure, and this strength would come over him, and uh, he'd run away into the woods. They couldn't contain him, couldn't contain him. This man had no life, running around naked and living among the dead, away from family and friends. At the end of this, we will see how this man did have a family. King James says, friends. Jesus said, go back, go back to them. Go back to your family, go back to your friends. He set this man free. Oh, my goodness, and we're just in the fourth verse of this. So let's go on a little bit further. No doubt we're going to have to go into a part two. Oh, this is wonderful. All right, but we talked about the man, but now let's talk about the villagers here, the townspeople. Because listen, this is what man does. I want you to see the difference between what man will do and what Jesus will do, all right? Man's best effort or his solution was to bind the bound. This man was already bound. You you know that he was already bound. 
Their solution was to bind him. Their solution was to, uh, to capture the captive. He was already captive. Their solution was to, to capture him, to lock him up, to lock him away. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to, we can even say, imprison the prisoner, right? You say, well, what else were they supposed to do? Someone that had greater authority had to come in and free this man. Now, there's a difference between being a prisoner and being a captive. A prisoner is someone who goes through some, um, some, uh, some sort of legal process and is in prison because of guilt. Although I'm sure he's in prison unwillingly, but he's in there because of guilt. But someone that is a captive is someone that was uh, taken captive, uh, and they're innocent. Think about all the people when, you know, towns are, are raided, especially back in Bible times, they would take people captive and, and make them serve as slaves. Well, they were captives, not of their own will. They were taken, uh, they were taken away captive, all right? Not because they'd done anything wrong, but someone stronger came along and brought them into captivity. Now, the Bible declares, and we can look at this, this is so powerful, in Luke the fourth chapter, and I think we're going to stop here for tonight. In Luke the fourth chapter, verse 18 through 19, listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. The Bible says, uh, or as Jesus is speaking here, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you get that? Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captives. So what was he doing here to this man? This man was captive held captive by these demonic spirits. He came to declare, to preach is to declare or to pronounce, you're free. I've come to, to set you free. That's exactly what Jesus did. And let's look at this also in the book of Luke. Uh, let's look at Luke the 8th chapter. Luke the 8th chapter. It says, uh, yeah, let's look at eight, Luke 8, verse 31 through 32. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hop down to verse 36. The Lord says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, or truly free. So Jesus came to truly free us of our sins, of our worries, of our griefs, of our of the evil that's in our lives, Jesus came to free us. And that's what uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, uh, tells us about. Luke 4, 18 through 19, 18 and 19, it tells us that Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captives. He came, my friend, to tell you that you have been set free. But you say, well, hey, how am I bound? How am I bound? Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. Don't you know that we are bound in sin? And we're not prisoners, 
but we're really captives. Because the Bible says, and if you look at this in um, Psalm 51, verse 5, listen to how it reads. I love this out of the New Living, New Living Translation. Psalm 51, verse 5, it says, For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So you were born into sin, born into captivity. And make no mistake about it, sin is a master that you must be delivered from. Sin will control you. Oh, my goodness. Just like this man was being con controlled here uh, at, the, at the coast by these demonic powers, sin has the ability to control you. It will make you stay much longer than you wanted to stay. It will make you pay much more than you wanted to pay. Sin, sin's influence can dominate and destroy your life. But Jesus came to set you free. He came to set the captives free. Glory to God, my friend. So I want you to be encouraged and know that Jesus has come to do a great work in your life. Now, let's read a couple of more verses, and then we're going to find a good stopping point, and then we're going to land this plane and take it up on next week. All right, so let us go to verse number 30 now. All right, so let's, verse uh, 29 says again, well, the man... He broke the chains and he got out. All right. Verse 30 gives us more information. And it says, and Jesus asked him, asked him, saying, what is thy name? All right. Here we're getting to the legion part. And he said, legion. Can you remember how many? Right. Between three and six thousand. And he said, legion, because many devils were entered into him. All right. And, uh, Verse 31 says, and they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. All right, now this is a very good place to stop here. Now, how many people do we see here or how many entities, if you will, do we see here? We have one Jesus who was filled with the Holy Spirit and we have one or, or two men here filled with demons, filled with demons. Uh, this one man, if we, we go just on Luke's account, one man filled with uh, three to 3,000 to 6,000 spirits, all right, demon spirits, bad, 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 but only one Jesus. We see his spiritual superiority because the one man Jesus causes this man here who has all these demons to fall before him. Hallelujah. That tells you the power that's in the name of Jesus, the power that's there. Now, I want you to see, and this is where we're going to close out this week. I want you to see what, this, what these spirits are actually asking Jesus here. And this is wonderful. He says here in verse number 31, And they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. He commanded them, don't cast us out to the deep. That the deep here talks about the bottomless pit. It talks about the abyss, uh, which is the future home of all those demon spirits, those fallen angels. They will, they will forever be tormented in this bottomless pit, in this abyss, right? Because it will eventually all of that thrown into the lake of fire, uh, death, hell, and the grave all thrown to the lake of fire. But this bottomless pit, at least for now, let me, let me say that way, is a place of torment. So they say, don't send us away into the bottomless pit. Don't send us away into the deep. 
and they've got another place that he wants them to, to send them to. All right. So we're going to stop there. I'm telling you, this is quite a conversation because these spirits are asking Jesus to do this. They're begging him to do this because they know he has the power. Uh, they know he has the power and they do not. Now, if you look again, uh, if you look again, and let's look again one more time in verse number 28, it says, and when Jesus saw, rather, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and says, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Well, how is Jesus going to torment them? He could send them into the bottomless pit. He could send them into the abyss. He could send them into the deep. Are you hearing? Don't torment me. Don't torment me. Now notice, and we're going to end with this. They recognized that Jesus was the son of God. They saw his authority. They saw his authority. He wasn't a fake or pretender. They saw authority and they knew he was one in authority. There's something in the spirit. I'm not sure what it is. That spirit can recognize spirit, right? Because I'm sure Jesus didn't have a name tag on him that said Jesus Christ, Messiah, Son of God. No, there's something about him. And there's something about you, the presence of the Spirit of God that identifies who you are to your adversary. Remember the Bible declares in the book of James, I believe the fourth chapter, I think verse seven, it says, submit yourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The greater your submission to God the greater you will have, the greater capacity or ability you will have uh, to confront the devil and see him running. The more you submit to the Father, the greater his authority is in your life. Or we can say it this way, the more he has of you, the more God has of you, uh, the more you have of God. Does that make sense? The more you give yourself to him, the more he gives himself to you. Now, that's awesome. Or we can say the more he will manifest his uh, manifest himself, his power and authority in your life. I believe the spirit of God is already with already in you without measure. The spirit of God is already there. But we haven't always submitted our full self to him. Therefore, we have very little manifestation in our lives. Hmm? All right. Whew. Well, that was a lot. I pray that you got something out of that tonight and we're going to go into part two of this on next week and we're going to pick up uh, right here where we left off. We're going to pick up at verse 30 and we're going to talk about that as we go further on down. So again, what are we learning this week? What are the takeaways? One, make sure you submit yourself to the Father. There's no need to hypocrite or pretend. If there is something in your life that you are resistant to give over to the Lord, well then, Pray about that. Ask the Father or just say, Father, I want to give all of my life to you, but I have this in my life and I'm not sure if I can get, give this up. This relationship, I know it's not of you, but I'm not sure if I can give it up. I'm not even sure if I want to give it up. Now listen, start there with a desire. Ask him, Lord, help me to want to give this up. Help me to want to break free from this. And as, you, as he gives you the want to, he will also give you the will to and after the will to, he'll give you the ability to, to get that out of your life. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you just where you are right now. 
He's not going to love you more when you get this stuff out of your life, when he helps you get this out of your life. No, his love for you is already perfect. He's not looking for you to manifest perfection. He's already perfect in you, right? He's looking for you to give your life over to him and to trust him and to love you with the same love that he has given unto you. The love of God started from him first. And as you return that love to him, I'm telling you, you will see great things in your life. So submit to God, stay in that word, and you're going to see great things happen in your life. And if you're finding resistance from the enemy, rise up in the authority that Christ has given unto you. Uh, declare that that cloak of blindness or uh, the, the blinders of our eyes be removed so that you can clearly see that this is an attack of the enemy and then deal with that thing. And then go ahead and get the reward that God has for you and give the glory to the Lord. Before we go, let's pray. All right, put your hand right there on the screen and we're going to pray together. It's our point of contact. Before we leave, every time, I definitely want to say a prayer with you. All right, let's pray. Father, I bring to you your daughter, your son, uh, that is right now watching wherever they are all around the world. Father, I pray that you would heal them, that you would deliver them. And Father, I pray that your hand would be upon them. I pray that you would loose them. I pray that they would be delivered. And Lord, I declare if there be any sort of uh, evil activity around them, that that thing be broken right now in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I take authority over the evil that's around them. I bind it in the name of Jesus and I cast it from them right now in the name of Jesus. I call the resurrection power of Christ to come alive and for your child, your beloved one, to be set free. I declare right now, to whom the Son is set free is free indeed, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And my friend, if you have never received Jesus Christ as, as the Lord and Savior of your life, you know, there's no magical prayer or formula. You just simply have to believe. But I can lead you in a short prayer, and then after we pray, continue to grow in, in Christ, and uh, He'll lead you into where you must go and what you must do, okay? Let's go ahead and pray. Just repeat after me and just say, Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a savior. I admit that I have done wrong things, bad things, and I admit that I need you. I turn from my wicked ways and I seek your face. I repent and I ask Jesus to be my master, to be my Lord, and to be my savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, Live in me, make me yours, and I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our Savior is alive and well. Jesus is alive, and he lives inside of you. Well, all right, closing number two. I pray you got something out of that tonight. Go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org and you can find out more information about our ministry. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, then go ahead and do so and click the bell button so that you can be notified on the next, uh, on the next video. If you're listening by way of Periscope or by, the, by way of a podcast or by way of app, we say we love you guys so much and we will see you on the next video. God bless you.